Welcome to episode 222 of Coffee Pods and Wads. Whoop is a recovery coach, a device that tells you how shit you slept and how to do it better or how well rested you are. And it has communities where you can boast about it. Uh, go to join.whoop.com forward slash CPW for a discount uh, when you join or you can use the code COM-CPW365 to join our community and gloat to us about how well rested you are. Uh, Rain Body Fuel can help you temporarily circumvent your Whoop recovery and make you feel invincible for long enough to get your squats in at the very least and burboxcoachdevelopment.com is where you'll better yourself as a coach or as an athlete who's ready to become more coachable and you can use pods for money off there the hybrid academy dot store are also offering you money off using pod 10 and go look better than you ever have and feel cool as shit Uh, speaking of cool as shit um rad have another launch coming up and this time sizing is true to size so if you're a 10 and whatever you normally wear get a 10 in these because up until now people have been sizing up a half size. Uh, today's guest is Mads Jakobsen. Uh, we chat about commentating at regionals, organizing them too, coaching, seminar staff, and moving away from CrossFit. Um, you might know him better as CrossFit Dansk. That's his username on um, Instagram. Enjoy, listen, share, and tag. Thank you um, for doing this, first of all. I really appreciate you taking the time out. Um, I was at Lowlands and I was on uh, on the Friday, I think I was there and I was like in front of say where you and Chase were. Yeah. And um, there was not like, I like, I ended up being upstairs and I shouldn't have been like, I kind of snuck, there was like an unmanned escalator <laughs> and I was just kind of wandered up um, and I got some interviews and stuff and I like I had messaged Chase and Chase was like oh yeah come around and I like there was like a barrier saying like you know no edge beyond this point and I was like okay that looks like it would be a bit of a piss take because I'd have to go beyond that and I was like not only would I have to go through that barrier I would then have to walk like 700 meters yeah in full visibility of everyone I've got like there's no like it's like oh sorry I took a wrong turn it's like you know there was no way of explaining it so I, I just left it but um yeah it was uh it was a great competition did you enjoy um that's because that's the first live one in a while now how, how did you find yeah it? oh I, I I really enjoyed it I thought it was awesome it was like I was, Chase and I were talking about it and I said it's it's kind of like a class reunion but with all the people you want to meet like all the assholes stayed home and then you got to hang out with all your actual friends. Um, and that's really what it felt like. And it, it felt like that, I think, for everybody. We met a bunch of the athletes to check in as well. And they're always happy to meet. But, I mean, they're ecstatic to meet this time. So I think I think we're all kind of looking forward to it. And then it just really turned out great as well. So, yeah. yeah. Is, is commentary something that you do a lot of? No, no. I mean, I do it for CrossFit competitions. Uh, I've been doing it for the the functional fitness competitions a couple of times as well. But no, no. And had you done like say regionals and stuff commentary, or is like the semi final? Would that be the biggest um, commentary you've done, or have you done other things in CrossFit? No, I've done I've done the games. Um, so so I mean that was that was pretty big. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was pretty big. And then I'd, I've done regionals um quite a few times and then i did uh, uh some of the sanctioned events as well so i mean i've been doing it for for quite some time now and how did you get into that in the first place like how did you um so like is that had you done other things and then said oh I, i'd actually be good at doing that or had someone heard you doing something else and thought you'd be good or was it just your general like expertise oh man i wish i wish i wish it was the latter just me being super smart and people going he, he needs to he, we need to hear him say something but that's not what it was i mean 
the, the way it worked was that way, 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 way back, the first regionals ever to be held in Europe um, or in the Nordics, actually in Europe, were in, uh, were in Halmstad. And I was the regional director for them, uh, for those. And then we went to Balladup Super Arena after that. And I was in charge of that for the first two years. And then Oliver Amdrup took over. So I was a regional director. Um, and one of those regionals was in Bolton in England. So it was the year after we'd been in, uh, in, in Halmstad at Lake and we had we were all set up everything was we were ready to go but it was the first year that things were kind of bigger and we had a Reebok partnership and everything like that and on the morning of the competition the guy who's supposed to be the floor announcer calls up and he's like yeah I'm not coming in today and I'm like what he's like yeah I'm not coming in so um so you're just gonna have to do it without me and I, I don't think any of us kind of understood that that was a big deal and so I looked at Carl Stedman and I was like dude are you okay with like the way we're running the competition? Do you think you need me? He's like, dude, you're the regional director. I'm like, yeah, I know, but we don't have a floor announcer. So, so I grabbed the mic and, and just started getting after it. I had no idea what I was going to say. Had no, I mean, I didn't have any other prep than I kind of knew all the athletes uh, from being on seminar staff. And, and so I just got after it. And then I guess people thought it was fun and I thought it was fun. So I kept on doing it more and more and more. And then, as all, when Oliver took over for regionals and became the regional director, he's like, would you want to be the floor announcer? I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Um, and then we started getting coverage and Rory McKernan came over uh, and he's like, you should, be, you should be up here with me. You shouldn't be on the floor. You should be up here with me. I was like, okay, I'll do that. Uh, and then the year after, uh, I was invited to do that. And uh, I think it went pretty well. Then the next year I did it again. And that's the year I think I was asked to go to the games. Um, so I went to the games, did that, came back and then been doing competitions all over Europe ever since. So yeah, no, really not very smart, but just happened to be there at the right time. It's there's like, there's very few things that I, I feel put your heart in your mouth as much as like emceeing or like, you know, like standing and like, it's funny because I did it like say last summer just for a local event. Um, and I remember talking to uh, Greg and uh, Dylan um, from Loud and Live, and I was like, "What? Like what? Like I was like, is this stupid? Like I'm a stupid doing this? Like is this a mistake or whatever?" And it was interesting because both of them said pretty much the same thing as each other. They were both like, you know, placating at the start. They were like, "Oh, you'll do great or whatever," but then they both the key point that both of them echoed was ninety percent of people won't listen to what you're saying. Like they just yeah. won't take any of it in. And then the 10% that do can't rewind. So like, even if you say something really stupid, they're going yeah. to, the, at worst case is going to be, did he just say what do you think? And then it's gone. And like, yeah. you know, what can you do? And he was like, people listen out for their own names. Athletes listen out for the timestamps and yeah. you know, like that kind of, and who's ahead, who's behind that kind of stuff. So I think that put me at easy good bit, but it is like gut wrenching. Like when you, like, I don't think, I don't think I've ever felt my breath like speed up <laughs> so much before not doing something or you know what i mean it was just it yeah. was very very weird um when you're commentating then it's obviously very different because like people are listening to what you're saying and people like kind of can rewind and can listen back yes. is it a different kind of pressure doing that um yes it is I, but i think i think i alleviated that stress pretty pretty fast or i didn't do it actually i think rory and, and chase kind of helped me out because i mean i was putting a bunch of stress on myself because they're awesome at what they do and i i really wasn't i was just kind of you know shooting the shit out of what i know about the athletes the boxes the judges the competition and all of that stuff um but i really want it to be better 
and they were and they pretty much just told me just do what you do just slow down say what it is you want to say um you're you're the you're the you're the expert commentator so you're we're going to ask you why and you're going to have to answer that question so just do that and and then i just did and then at the end of the day i was like you know if i do a bad job they're not going to ask me to come back I'm trying to be nice to all the athletes because I think it's amazing that they kind of put themselves on the line and they go out there and perform in front of a bunch of people. I mean, that's got to be cut wrenching. Mm. Uh, so I just, I was really nervous to start with, but not anymore. Uh, and is it hard? Like, cause I say, I felt, um, say we'll go at lowlands, like just for, cause it's the most recent, but there's, there's events there, like with, you know, the long assault run and it's kind of like, <laughs> There's there's only so much you can talk about about like yeah and like say if you're commentating on heat one and then in the in say the women's and then you're commentating on heat three in the men's that's you've done this is your sixth heat of a long assault run yes and, then, and it's just kind of like right okay and then I was thinking of it like the next day then you had the whatever two thousand devil represses so it's kind of like <laughs> it's just, like again there's only so much where you can be like well, they're still yeah. on the runners like you know is, are, the, are, are they the harder is it harder to commentate when it's like frantic and there's loads of stuff happening and like say like a team event and you're trying to make sense of who's who and where's where and who's ahead and who's behind or is it harder to commentate on those kind of like potential dead air ones where it's like okay they're starting a 2000 meter row what yeah. the fuck are we going to talk about for the entirety of this and then because obviously it gets exciting towards the end we see hands going up but in the middle there's only, yeah. I suppose, so many times you can say, well, it's really important they pace this or whatever. <laughs> no, but I think I think those are, like, the worst for me are the team events that are kind of, like, logistically a mess. So you can't really tell who's ahead. Uh, or, like, the lifting events when everybody's kind of lifts left, right, and center, and you don't really know who to follow. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you need to you need to comment whoever is on screen. So whatever people are seeing at home, that's what you want to add value to. Mm. At the same time, you want to kind of direct the cameras on, on the floor to, well, you should probably go to that platform because that could get interesting really fast. But also you want to get some kind of human reaction as well of this person just did really well. And what does that mean for them moving forward? So I think those are the hard ones. The ones where you have like, you know, 2000 meter row or 5k run or whatever it is. I like those because it, it opens up the, the, the 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 kind of the floodgates for for chase and i in this case but you know it's been sean or it's been rory or somebody else where you can start having a conversation about well the overall field where they're at mm. what is this going to mean for them what kind of times are we kind of projecting but then you can also become like really kind of nerdy which i really like and start looking at so okay so what's happening to form now is this is this because they just have a bad form or you know is this a form that they've kind of developed themselves or is this deteriorate, deteriorating because they didn't pace themselves correctly? And then you can kind of start feeding into theories like that and then see what, what happens during the event. So I think I kind of like those events. I know a lot of people don't, and they get all freaked out. And they're like, oh, this is really boring. I'm like, well, it's kind of where we get, we get to be important for once because we can add some kind of, some kind of, some kind of excitement about it. It's like, okay, just look at that guy's shoulders on that run. It's not doing very well. He's starting to tilt forward, so he's not doing right either. He's not doing right anymore. It's going to cost him in a second. And then just kind of see whether that pans out or not and not be afraid to be wrong. I mean, we're looking at it the same way everybody else is. We don't know what's going on. But I think so. Those aren't those aren't the worst events. I, I'm, I'm, I'm petrified, though, of the events where we may miss something that's fundamental to the to the event. Yeah. How much do you rely then on someone like, say, you know, like I know Brian Friend was in Lowlands. I assume you're heavily reliant on 
you, you know, you, you can know so much, but then in the moment, it's good to have someone in your ear saying, oh, he actually finished sixth last time. Oh, yeah. And whatever. Yeah. No, I mean, having having Brian or Brian around or being able to get somebody like Chad, like Chad Schroeder as well to have, to have them kind of in, in the background, it, it just means the world. I mean, it's just it. I can't really explain how much it is because it's just like you said, it's kind of like a cheat sheet. Where it's like, I wonder, well, and then it's like, ding, 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 there you go. And then you get all these little points and you're like, how did you remember that? Who are you anyways? And then they're like, I don't know, just had the numbers. And then they just keep on feeding you those numbers. So so you kind of get, you build a narrative out of it, but it can, that they do become the back, the backbone. Have you seen, um, do you follow like Andrew Hiller or any, yeah. any of this? What do you think of him? I mean, I kind of like him. I mean, you know, I, I fucking I, really like him. I what I like is is that you know he's completely honest. He's like, oh, dude, this is clickbait. This is this. This is what it is. But he speaks his mind, and and I like that. Now, whether you agree with the opinion or not, it's not really important. I just like that it's not. It's uncensored. It's uncut. It's kind of it's 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 kind of raw. And I think he speaks what a lot of people have on their mind as well, especially mm-hmm. now with all the stuff that's going on with with the Nordic team where. You know, Victor's been, been disqualified and everything. I, I I appreciate what he's done before, and I really appreciate the post he made about that as well. I think, like, one of the things... So, when he was around first, and I, th- I think a lot of people are guilty of this, and I think I'm not, I'm not holding myself up as, like, a fucking beacon of righteousness or anything. <laughs> but, like... I'm I'm proud of myself for reevaluating things with him because I think a lot of people won't. I think I saw him and I didn't watch anything he put out and I was like, here we fucking go. Another like he just hates that he can't do what they can do. He's just it's character assassination. He's just picking people and tearing them apart, whatever. Didn't watch any of them. And then I watched him on Savan's show and I was like, oh, fuck maybe i was wrong yeah <laughs> and then yeah. i watched him on savannah again and like another couple of times and i was blown away by like one of the things that impresses me most about brian friend is just his encyclopedic knowledge of like he can be like well yeah in 2013 there was an event and he'll just pick something and you're like how the fuck do you remember that i know but hitter's the same like yeah. savannah was saying something about and uh, the thing so there's two things i like one is that he can be asked a question and he'll say, Oh yeah. Um, I think like 2015, such and such a person did whatever. And you're like, wow, that's really impressive. Like that you can remember that. And like also a little bit pathetic, but impressive. (laughs) And then, but then he could be asked another question and he'll say, Oh, well, I actually don't think so, but I'm not sure. Maybe my memory might be failing me a little bit there. I think maybe I just can't think of anything off the top of my head. And it's like, that's also impressive that he's, comfortable saying like i don't know or he's comfortable saying like i think so but i might be wrong there and that i think gives extra weight when to when he says i'm definitely right Um, exactly because he can hold his hands up and say i'm not really sure about that so i think yeah no I, i i'm definitely someone who assumed he was an asshole um and in so doing, made an asshole out of myself. But I like he's com- he's coming on the show soon. Um, I've been in touch with him a few times. I think, like you say, the stuff he's doing, where, uh, and it is clickbait, and I don't like clickbait, but I like what he's doing with it. He's not, like, and he's made no secret of the fact that he he does want clout. He does want like recognition himself, yeah. which is fine. I'd rather him say that than pretend he doesn't when he really does. But yeah. also it's like, like the Nordic thing, like, you know, like they're, they're the things that everyone is disgruntled about, but nobody's able to do anything about. So the bigger he gets, 
and the more yeah. limelight he gets, surely the more of an influence he can have and stuff like that. Well, absolutely. But I mean, even even when he was when he did that piece about Frederick Gideus and, and the reps and all of that, I, I liked the way he did it. He was he was really clear about the fact this isn't about Freddie. It's not about Freddie's yeah. reps. It's it's about something else. This is just an example I'm using to kind of make a point. And and so it's not. I was afraid that it was going to be character assassination and just like I'm going to use these people as stepping stones to get my mm. get my 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 15 minutes of fame. But then you start listening to it, and it's not. I mean, it's got a valid point, and he's looking for an argument. Uh, or a discussion about it, and and I think that's that's what we need to do. Is like kind of like cast the light on the on the troll in the corner and watch it disappear. But if you don't, then it's just going to get worse and worse. Yeah. And I think that's what he does really, really well. And I like that he's that that he uses people and 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 and, and scenarios that actually happen so that everybody can relate to it. But he's also not dumping a bunch of crap on these people. It's, it's just like it's not your fault. I mean, if you're if you're being judged that way, then obviously mm-hmm. you're going to do this. Or if this happens to you, you're going to do this. But I, I, yeah, I like that. No, I like him a lot. I think he's, mm. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, are you, are you still on uh, seminar staff? No, no. So I, God, I left a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and do you, cause you owned CrossFit Nordic originally, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. And do you, Start- do you still own it? No, no. So my wife does. When I started working for Reebok, I really couldn't have a box at the same time. And she was, she was working at, at a spa and really, really wanted to get involved with, with CrossFit. So it was, it was kind of like, it was kind of a great, a great place to kind of hand over to her. And now that she's not around, I can tell, tell you as well, the box has been doing so much better from her being a part of it than me being a part of it. Um, no, cause I mean, we're a bunch of guys who just want it somewhere to be that we can do CrossFit. There was no other CrossFit, like purebred CrossFit affiliate affiliate in Stockholm at that time. Mm. And we just, we just wanted a place to throw some bars around and do some hero wads. That was all we wanted. Um, and she came in and she's just like, she, she had a whole business perspective on, to, on, on the, on the box as well. I don't think we had, um, I don't think we saw the potential that way at that point. Um, so yeah, no, so she does it. I still have classes, uh, at the box as much as I possibly can with my job. Um, but yeah. And what is your job? I'm a, I'm the COO of a, of a gaming company. Like, uh, esports. Uh, well, kind of. So we don't really do the games. It's more like imagine a platform that combines your Reddit, your Discord, your Twitch, your you know everything into one. That's what we are. So we're a startup now that's been around for three and a half years. Okay, we'll come back to that because I have questions. Um, how did you? Are you one of those classic stories of I liked training? I saw someone doing CrossFit, found CrossFit.com. Is is that your is that your story into the sport? Well, kind of. I mean, I was doing MMA. And once again, this is the story of my life. I'm not very good at anything. Uh, but I was doing MMA and I thought it was really, it was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I had a fight coming up and the guy who had the studio was like, hey, you should try CrossFit. And at that time I was working as a personal trainer and I was like, CrossFit, dude, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. They do back exercises one day and the next day they're still doing back. So it's just stupid. He's like, give it eight weeks. Could you please try? I was like, yeah, sure. I'll try. After those eight weeks, I had my fight. It didn't do very well. Um, and just handed in my, my gloves and I was like, CrossFit is the shit, dude. Where do I get to learn more about it? But at that point, nobody in the Nordics had taken a level one. There were no boxes, like not one. Um, what, so what year was this round? This was 2004, I think. Yeah. Okay. 2004. Um, so I was just, I dropped everything and just went CrossFit is the shit and went and went to, uh, to Denver and did a level one, uh, along with a friend of mine. We had no clue what we were doing. We had like 
we just we just had crossfit.com which is crazy yeah. um did that came back my friend was or he is a very very gifted Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach so he's like no i'm gonna this is what i'm gonna spend my time on and i just kind of went full retard into into crossfit um so yeah that's how i found it um and like if you were doing mma is that like were you active like throughout your childhood and like sporty all the way up or was it like something that you found more in adulthood no no i've, I've always done sports like and, and like everybody else played soccer a long time and then uh then i found taekwondo then from taekwondo in the into the muay thai and then from muay thai in the mma yeah um how did so did you open you went to denver that's so like amazing that you traveled so far to level one like which i know was kind of the thing back there because there was no alternative i know like carl Stedman did similar and you know yeah. like, it, i just think that's so cool that people would go would go that all in because i suppose now i know geographically it's not any closer but economically it's a lot closer america is a lot closer to europe now than it was yeah. then like it's a lot it wasn't a, it's like if you said to someone like oh i'm going to america in the morning they'd be like oh cool whereas like in the early noughties you said i'm going to america be like wow okay like well, yeah. what's this about um it's yeah i just find that so impressive that you'd, you'd go that all in and then how uh was was when you came back then was it say uh um like two needs being met by people where they were looking for seminar staff in Europe and stuff. And then you were like one of the early adopters and knew more than most about it. Is that how that worked? Well, they weren't really looking for anybody when I got back. So what happened was I got back and I was just like, this is, this is so much fun. This is so cool. I had, had a blast in Denver. So I told my wife that, you know, we need to go to Santa Cruz. So not too long after that, we packed up our bags and we pretty much spent our entire vacation so three weeks in Santa Cruz um, and so in the old HQ when it was back in the garage. So we went there and, and, and you know, got, got to hang out with Greg Amundsen, Annie Sakamoto. Coach was still there. Nicole was hanging out there as well um, and just worked out. So just, you know, that's all we did. And they, and they were just looking at us like you, you traveled from Sweden to work out in a garage. We were like, yes, this is so awesome. Um, and we just hit it off really well with them and Hollis Malloy and everybody else. And that was back, back when... Uh, when Brendan Gilliam was also a part of the crew before everybody kind of split up. Um, we got along, got along really well with everybody started hanging out like after, after we kind of worked out as well, went back to Sweden, stayed in touch. Um, and at that point there hadn't been a level one in, 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 in Europe. So the first one in Europe was in Manchester at cause box. So I kind of reached out and said, you know, if you ever need seminar staff, I'm, I'm interested. So we got to do kind of an internship at, at the uh, in in Manchester, and then it got formalized for the uh, for the level one in Stockholm. Um, got my shirt along with Carl Stedman in Stockholm, and then the week after that, hey, Copenhagen, here you go. So there was another another level one, and that's how it started. That's so cool. And do you miss it now, like not doing it? I miss it. I mean, I I, I had such a blast on seminar staff. It was just miss getting to meet people in the boxes, people who were kind of. You know, just a, just as fired up about CrossFit as as I was at that point, and uh, so yeah, no, I I do miss that. Um, yeah, yeah, because it's funny. Like I've I've said to a few people that I want to do it, and I have like people saying like, oh, there's probably like not a lot there that you won't have heard. Like 
by interviewing people or by just being around it and whatever. And it's like, yeah, but like, imagine just being in a room where everyone has the exact same interests <laughs> as you and everyone's as hyped to be there as you are. Like, it's so rare. Yeah. The only other thing I can think of is like, you know, when you're at semifinals or when you're, if you're at a concert of a, of an unusual band, you know, like yeah. where, uh, you yeah. know, everyone there is there because they like that band, not just because yes. they heard one song or whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's a unique kind of atmosphere, I think. Well, I think it, I think it's both that, and I think it's the the rest of seminar staff as well. I mean, we had a blast. We were a really really tight kind of gang, and we kind of ha- we were hanging out a lot, and everybody was incredibly supportive of everything that you wanted to do. So so that was every time you got together, it was with people who genuinely cared about you, hmm. and that kind of that kind of spilled into the level ones as well, where it was this thing of somebody would show up and they'd be an aerobics instructor, and you'd be like, okay, so what are the experiences that you have? We were also hungry to learn, and we weren't like I think one of the great things were that at that point we weren't too caught up in, oh, this is CrossFit, this isn't CrossFit. It was more like, what is it that you do when you have a class that works really well? Now let me show you CrossFit, but also tell me about what it is you do or you're a long distance mm. runner. And so there was this humbleness to, we're teaching you CrossFit methodology, but we're also wondering where you're from and who you are as a person. And I think that just made for a really, really positive environment. And then after a while, my wife became a, a part of seminar staff as well. So, I mean, that got, that was kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, how did it come to an end then? I just, you know, a bunch of different things where it's like, it was a bit of work. It was a bit of, I think I'd kind of had my fill and, and, and seminar staff got to a point where it got so big that I just, I just felt like we weren't that, we weren't that group anymore. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, just felt like, I felt like it was important that the experience at the level one seminars was still for the, for the participants. And I felt like there was too much politics within the group. So I just felt like I'd rather leave so I don't become a part of that. And I don't, and, and, and kind of the skirmishes and the politics that I would then, or that I kind of found myself drug into, um, wouldn't influence the, the experience people got in the level one. Or your own memories of it either, I suppose. Like you don't want to look back and be like, oh, that was shit because yeah. you spent too long in that period, I guess. Yeah, I think I think I, I, I could have probably made it work, but it was at the same time there was a bunch of work going on as well, and, and I always loved what we did. I mean, I never got to the point where I kind of got rotten of it. I could have potentially, I guess, mm. now that I think of it, but that didn't happen. So, I mean, I still have a lot of love for everybody on seminar staff. I try to hang out with them as much as possible. I refer to them as brothers, all of them, because I think they are. We were all we were all going through a bunch of really funny stuff together and trying to help spread this thing i mean at my level one i sat next to chris spieler and one of the things that we were talking about one of the, one night was like imagine if we could make a living out of this and we both started laughing we we're like this is never going to happen but this that that's awesome look at where we are now and so yeah, to have been a really. part of that and, and and we were on seminar staff at the same time as well so i think that was uh no i think i think everything has a time and a place and i think i i left when i had to but god i miss it yeah but like Cause like, say if you, if you walk away from something, um, you know, because you just feel like the time is right. But then, I mean, like soon after you walk away, you watch like the house kind of crumble a bit and like it's on fire and, you know, people are jumping out to save themselves or being thrown out like to save whatever's left. Like, is that... Like when, when obviously, you know, you're not, nobody would ever be happy to see something that they love being, you know, I just guess like torn apart from the inside and the outside or whatever. But like when you, when you are as involved as you were 
from so early and you have you know like fingers in a lot of different crossfit pies will say like you you know you were a box owner you were a seminar staff you were you know you've traveled to america for it you were commentating you were involved in regionals like that's a lot of different hats to have or whatever yeah like is it like what what do you feel then when that's happening like what do you feel when you see the controversy around greg and then that he's you know sells the company and the you know all the changes that are being made and all the 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 new um the new language or the new like ways that things are going to be done and then dave is gone and like it, it are you just kind of are you able to just sit back and be like well thank god i got out when i did or is it is it just no. way worse than that no it's I, I i can't just i mean i tried when 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 everything happened i kind of tried to lean back and go no nah, well you know it's gonna be all right I'm not a part of this anymore. But then I kind of realized that I am. My wife still runs the box. I still coach athletes. Um, I've had I've had something to do with regional semifinals, sanctionals, whatever it is, all the time. So I, I was just I was too invested not to react. But at the same time, I kind of saw all the things that happened as as a natural progression of what happened, what has to happen with an organization as it grows. And and so so I don't think I was as upset as a lot of people were. I think it was more. I kind of saw it as a natural as a natural progression of what had to happen. Every single solitary company I've ever been a part of where that's had like an entrepreneur that kind of started and drove it to a certain point, these things have happened. It's, it's bound to happen. Large multinational national companies that I've been a part of, same thing happens. And I think as soon as you start looking at CrossFit that way, I don't think anybody's really too surprised. Um, so, I mean, I was, I was heartbroken. I didn't want it to fall apart, but at the same time, I was like, these things happen yeah um did you do like business in in university or college or how because yeah. you seem yeah and is it like uh like business management would that be your yeah area okay um and what kind of companies have you sorry now so i need to go back to that the gaming thing so was the gaming uh startup was that you finished your seminar staff stint you like moved away stepped away from the box and moved straight into this is that the progression or was there more in between no oh god there was so much more uh, <laughs> like if like if like no but like a fast way through is like i went from i went from the box to starting to working for reebok so i was in charge of the the reebok crossfit partnership and all other partnerships that we had in the nordics to start with and then after a while i kind of got to a point where i was in charge of europe um for the for all reebok court um partnerships so ufc les mills uh you know the spartan races all of that stuff is that so, is that a cool job or is it something that maybe sounds really cool and it's actually just kind of a lot of politics and that kind of stuff no it is one of the absolute coolest things that okay. i've ever done in my life i would have loved to stay i would have loved to stay rebrand was a, an amazing brand and we did so, i had so much fun it was like i was insane it's just so much fun i don't know where to begin but like made friends for life and, and, and had experiences that I never thought I was going to be able to have. So, mm. but, but the problem was I'd, I would have had to move to Germany and my, my family wasn't ready for that. So, uh, so we had, so I jumped off, off. Mm. I, everything I ever, like everything I ever did, the, the, the one common denominator has always been that if I have to choose between this and my family, I'm always going to choose my family. Um, so, so I, I had to, so I left Reebok after five and a half, almost six years, which was, which was really, really cool. I mean, I you know I love that company. But then I went yeah. to Eleco and 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 took over their education. Um, so global education for Eleco. Did that for 
two you two little bit little bit more than two years. Um, then I started working at, at an, an advertising agency um, as their business director, um, okay. just because I had a, no, but a friend of mine worked there, and and they were kind of going through a period of time where they needed to kind of work on their offering and their positioning of the company altogether. So I did that for a bit more than two years, and then I was like, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to write a book and I want to start selling courses because I kind of kind of had this idea of, of this business development thing that I this this plan where it was basically your 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 brand as a service. So how do you position yourself in your gym and your in 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 the market all together? And I wanted to do lectures and I wanted to do courses about that. But then enter Corona, so I was like, shoot, maybe I'm just going to be off for a year and do nothing. Let's see how this plays out. And at the same time as that happened. The, um, the gaming company reached out to me and they're like, we need a CEO. Would you be interested in doing this? And I was like, nope, don't know anything about gaming. And they're like, well, we know plenty about gaming, but we have, we have other challenges. I was like, no, 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 no. The CEO though kept on, he, we kept on, kept on talking to each other. And, and I was a bit intrigued because he kept on talking about communities and he kept on talking about in, in terminologies that I could kind of relate to CrossFit. But instead mm. of CrossFit being the uniting factor, it was like, this is gaming. I didn't know anything about gaming. So we kept on talking and talking. He's like, dude, you're asking a lot of questions. You sure you don't want to do this? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. And so I've been there for two and a half years now. What's a COO? So the chief operation officer. Uh, so basically I'm in charge. Like our CEO is, is basically out chasing financial opportunities to make sure that we survive until we are viable ourselves. And so what I do is I take care of the entire company so that he can do that. Okay. That's cool. You kind of mind the house while he goes from bank yeah. to bank. <laughs> yeah. Bank to um, bank investors, you know, all the stuff that he does. Yeah. That's cool. Um, my God, you've had some random <laughs> career. Like it's so cool. Dude, I love that. Tell kind of me stuff. about it. But I, even I like you say, there is that common thread. Like there is that, you know, like if you're, you know, working with, uh, what would you call it? Like brand relations with Reebok. Most the common denominator is you have to be charismatic, you have to be likable, you have to be able to build relationships. If you're working with a company like Alico, like same thing. If you're coaching CrossFit or if you're giving seminar staff, same thing. If you're, you know, managing a group of people in an industry that you know fuck all about, like same yeah. thing. You better be charismatic and you better be likable. Like yeah, yeah. But I, and I, and I think like I was I met this recruiter not too long ago, and they they were just like they sat down. He's like you've done a bunch of weird stuff, dude. I can't really, I can't really like, what is it that really gets you excited? I'm like building teams that work. He's like, but what business? I'm like, I really couldn't care less. It's just, I want to, I want to find that dynamic of, of people that work together as a group with this, with, with a shared objective of how they move forward, whatever that is, let me help you. I want to do that. Um, so yeah. So kind of making, making teams and groups reach their full potential. And I think whether that's, the partnership with Les Mills or if it's Alico or if it's Reebok or if it's the box or whatever it is, I think it's still the same thing. Mm. Um, and I think, I think it's, I think that the, the big thing for me anyways, is I'm not, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not very smart, but, but I want to be honest with the people that I kind of communicate with and that I work with. So it's like finding out what it is that you really, really need and then finding out what it is I really, really need. And how do we, how do we help each other get there? How do we incentivize each other to, to, to feel that what you need is just as important as was, as what I need. If I can find that I'm happy. Yeah. It's interesting to say you're not that smart. I think if you truly weren't that smart, 
you wouldn't know that you're not that smart. You know, like well, you, you'd pretend that you're really smart <coughs> and you'd like, you know, <coughs> make Sorry. it seem as if you are. But I think, yeah, no, I think you're you're maybe downplaying yourself a little bit. I think you wouldn't no. have been I'm... as successful as you have been in all the things you've done. Like oh, you, you, you wouldn't have lasted more than a week at seminar staff. You wouldn't have lasted. <laughs> they were like, who the fuck is this guy? When you got to Reebok or you got to Aleko, they were like, well, who the fuck brought this guy in? <laughs> Well, um, they they may have thought so. No, but I think I think I mean I think you're right to a certain degree. It's just that I get to hang out with with people that are genuinely super smart. Like you meet Brian Friend, and you're like, how on earth? You meet you meet Chase, and it's like, I don't know how you did that. You go to Lico, and you meet the guys who like sit there and do the math on the bar on the barbells and make sure that they. And it's like, who are you people? And you suddenly you feel more and more stupid, um, but you're aware that you're stupid, so you get to ask all the smart questions, I guess. Yeah, I think I know. I think I'm. I definitely empathize, or you know, like what you're talking about there resonates deeply with me. There from doing this, where like I'm interviewing people, <laughs> and it's like, God, you ask ask like great questions, and it's like, yeah, I'm probably asking things. You usually <laughs> hang out with clever people, so like they know the answer to all these questions. I'm asking questions that like I'm like, huh? You run fast by running fast? It's like this doesn't make huh. any sense. Um, you move your legs. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you mentioned managing teams and you mentioned um, getting groups of people to work together and to that shared objective is the goal. Uh, you, you were the European coach for um, invitations. Like the, the, that was a Sam Briggs or the, the world's coach, wasn't it? That was a Sam Briggs yeah. and Cara team. Like, yeah. God almighty. I've forgotten the year. I think Six, it was 13. 13. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, when you're asked to do that or when you're approached about doing that or when it when it becomes a, a i don't know like a, a a reality that it's happening yeah and these these are like the biggest names in the sport and they're going up against like the biggest biggest names in the sport like it is that are you excited by the challenge of again like you know getting a group of people to work together or are you like oh fuck like maybe i shouldn't have said anything <laughs> about this I think I think it's a mix. No, but I was I was I was really excited about it. I was like, this this just it tickled everything in me. Like, how do you get people who are usually individual athletes to work together in a team? And you basically got three days to make it work. And on the other side of the fence, you've got these these superheroes that you know have worked out a little bit on their own. They've worked out a little bit together, and it's like then there's the media, there's all these all these expectations, and then after a while, you just kind of go, well, they're not my expectations. Sorry, how do I solve this? And then you meet these people. And I mean, I've, I've met Sam Briggs since competition was hardly a competition. We were all just hanging out, high five and chest bumping. And, 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 you know, we, Sam Briggs was competing at, I think it was divided. We fall. And, uh, and, and we all slept at, at Matthew Evans house. So, I mean, from way back then, and she drove me to the, to, to the, to the, to the arena the next day. So I kind of known her for a while. And, and Thor's daughter, we've known her since, well, since the first European regionals at, at Aleco as well. So, so I knew some of these guys and I kind of figured, well, the rest of them are just the same. Um, so, so it was, I was a bit freaked out to start with, but I was also really tickled by the idea of, well, what if we make it work? So, yeah. yeah. Do you think that um, coaching <clears throat> like just gen pop and coaching like those kind of athletes, do you think that it's something that is uh, overcomplicated? Um that is overcomplicated by people or do you think it's something that is underestimated by people? Like, do you think that people, do you think that like 
coaches at the highest level, uh, it's assumed that what they do is like, you know, like beautiful mind whiteboard type stuff where like no one would ever understand what they're doing. Or do you think that it's the opposite of that? And if people really saw or really understood what they're doing, they'd be like, Oh my God, anyone can do this. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, God, I, I'm, I, I'm so boring. I think it's easy to say it's a bit of both, but I think in all honesty, it's, if you're not a people person, you're going to try to make it hard because you're going to find, try to get, you're going to try to find structures to make sure that, well, you kind of cover everything. But if you're a people person and you got, you get people to kind of want to work together and they, they want to succeed as a team, I don't think you have to make it that, that complicated, but you need to get a buy-in as well from the group. So if you can get the group to buy in that, I think this person's actually going to be able to help. And then you kind of get to direct people toward the, toward the goal. I think, I think it works out just fine. But if you if you can't get that buy-in, and then you need to get it somewhere else, and that's usually by structure. So it's like, what do you revert to when everything else goes wrong? Do you revert to being a nice guy, or do you re- or do you revert to going, well, you know, this is this is the the, the modeler, this is the tool. We all have to use the tool. Um, I mean, it's what what we did twenty thirteen, or what I did twenty thirteen was we met in Berlin, got the team together. I threw a workout on the board, and I was like, we're going to do this workout in eight minutes. How are you going to solve it? And what happens is that you're going to find somebody who wants to be the leader. They're going to try to start sorting things. And then there'll be somebody that people naturally gravitate towards. That'll be the one that you're, you're, you want to make the leader. Now, you can't dump the person who wants to take responsibility because obviously you're going to need that too. So how do you kind of accommodate those different needs in that group and then get the dynamic working as you, as you progress as well? So I think that's what we did and it worked pretty well. Yeah, that's really interesting because I read, I read an it was like a text interview that you gave and you said something similar to that about, you know, that it became obvious who the loud person, and this isn't any disrespect. And I'm, I'm, no, 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 no. I'm, um, what would you call it? I'm not directly quoting what you said, but, <laughs> uh, you know, you were, you were basically saying like, someone's going to be loud. Yeah. And like someone's going to start talking first, but just because they start talking first doesn't necessarily mean that they're the person that you want talking all the time. You know, like no. that, that, that there's a, there's a, so it's, it's, yeah, it's remarkable that you just wrote a workout up because I think the easy thing to do there would be to assume, okay, Sam would put Sam in charge because you know what I mean? Like the easy yeah. thing, I think a lot of coaches would fall or a lot of just managers or whatever would fall into that trap of they go in with a predisposition or a, a preconceived notion of, what everyone is like in the group even if they've never met them just from watching them compete or watching them in an office space or whatever they do and then think like well obviously it's going to be this person and then you get this self-fulfilling prophecy where well i've said it's them so i need to find the values in them (laughs) that i've said i think they have or else i'm going to look like a fucking idiot so i need to whatever happens they're my leader even if it all falls to shit exactly and i mean i think i think that's where it's you need to kind of be you, you need to be well, objective enough when you walk in there and just kind of go, well, where did the chips fall and, and how do we pick them up? Because we only really got, well, two and a half days before we, before we kind of need to, before we need to get after it. So it, you can only, you, you can, you can only make it so right. So let's try, try to make it as right as possible. Um, but I also think a lot of it is like, there's no stress on you as a coach. I mean, you can fail miserably and everybody's going to be fine because nobody's going to see you. But there's a lot of stress on these athletes. They've got endorsements. They've got brands of their own. They've got their own coaches. They've got the media. They've got a lot of media coverage on them as well. Everybody's going to know who they are, right? Mm. 
And so I think, how do you alleviate as much stress as possible without making them feel like they've, they've not, that they're not empowered, sorry, that they're not empowered. And I think that's what we did. Um, as someone then who's coached at the, at the top level and who, you know, has a decent understanding of working with people, who do you think is the, the best, say, elite level coach that's out there now at the minute? Oof. Wow. Cause like, they're all so different. Like I was thinking about this yeah. today. I saw a video of Justin Kotler, um, reacting to Danielle Brandon winning yes. an event. And I was like, it, it like in my eyes, he's the, the perfect mix. And there's no disrespect to any other coach, but I just think for my personality, he's just perfect for what I would want. Yeah. Like he's so entirely fully in their corner like yeah. that un unwavering support yeah and he has a no holds barred approach to talking about them so like i've i've asked him and i've heard other people ask him and him being like openly talking about well danielle obviously needs like a lot of management as a person yeah and like a lot of coaches would shy away from talking about that because they're like oh what if they get pissed off like that i yeah. talked about them or whatever um and then just his just raw emotion and like and i don't know maybe it's just because he has young kids as well and i think i like that because i have young kids or whatever but then obviously like shane obviously really fucking knows what he's doing as well and like, <laughs> i'll be interested to see what adam can do with like ellie because he's done so well with justin and he's done so well with teams and stuff but i was curious from from your viewpoint of watching from a bird literally a bird's eye view of competition floors yeah. and from being privy to what it's like to be a coach working with individuals or teams and what it's like to be a coach um watching an event or watching how people engage with each other and the fact that you have so much experience with managing teams away from sport like is there someone that stands out as yeah okay maybe maybe they're not the most dominant coach but i think they're the best coach not i wish i could answer that like i, I genuinely want to say this is this is my idol but I, I, I don't have one as it is right now because I think it's all down to who that athlete is. I think the magic is whether the athlete finds the right coach. Like Danielle needs a bunch of, of just support as a person and on a personal level. Let's say that she meets this coach who, who won't be able to give her that or doesn't want to give her that because that's just not the way that that person is and can't be as, as emotional about what goes on as, as she would be. That wouldn't work. Hmm. Let's imagine that Tia got a person who was, who was the same way. I don't think she reacts response to it that way i think she's more of a okay give me my job and then i'll go out there and execute and then let's talk about afterwards why that worked or didn't work and then we'll we'll work that way so i think the magic is about finding the the right combination and i think every, any coach and any athlete can be amazing if you find the right combination mm. it just needs to be the right combination i mean i've had athletes where that I've been coaching where it's been like, this isn't, we're not going to work. We're not going to be able to take you to that point. And then I've kind of, re kind of referred them to other coaches where I think they're going to be able to, to have a better career. And then, and I'd like to think that they have had a better career. Yeah. Um, you said in a post recently, um, there's like a picture of you and a microphone and you said that you like podcasts. Um, I love them. What do you like about them? I like conversations. I like conversations with people. Um, I think it's, I think it's, it's, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just like listening to other people's like when they, when they get, when you get to a point where they speak their mind freely, where it's not like, 
you know, we're, we're looking for a sensation or whatever it is. It's just like, it's just a conversation. I just, I just really, really like that. Um, and, and I can get completely engulfed in anybody, anybody who's, it used to be, you'd say that somebody's a nerd and it'd be like, oh, that's a bad thing. But anybody who's like genuinely passionate enough about anything to, to kind of take it to extremes, I want to hear about it. And podcasts, yeah. I think are the perfect, the perfect wrestle for that. Yeah. I think like one of the good things about them as well is that they, it's well, it's starting to happen now a bit, uh, unfortunately, but they're not like commercialized yet. They're not like owned by big brands yet. They're not, no. you know, like if you tune into a radio station, you're going to hear their side of the news. You're going to hear yes. their side of, you know, like they're going to push certain things that they want talked about, um, or the, the, the way that they want you to feel about certain things or whatever. And it just become like, you can flick through all the different radio stations and the, the opinion will be different, but the delivery will be the same or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas I think with uh podcasts, you get, there might be some similarity in delivery, but the opinion will be different or, yeah. you know, like it'll be so vastly different in delivery that it doesn't matter that the opinion is the same or whatever. Yeah. Um, now there are obviously, you know, I don't know what it's like globally, but I know there's like a fucking AIB podcast, like, you know, like a bank podcast. And it's like, why have yeah. you got a podcast ran by a fucking bank or why have we got a <sighs> podcast ran by a baby food company? You know, like this is, yeah. you know, like, can we not just have, dickheads like me with a microphone in their front room <laughs> and instead of like you know when you see i remember i was talking to somebody recently and um i was like i don't know i they they put up a post or something and i or a story and i replied to it and i said um oh it's like you know best they were starting a podcast and i was like oh best look at it like you know it'll be it'll be fun or whatever um and they replied and said oh thanks guys and then i said oh it's actually just me like it's just it's, it's just i don't there's no plural like it's just one person <laughs> and then they said like oh yeah uh it's all it's just me this end as well um and like you know like whatever like you know whatever producer is there and like they started listing off like all these job titles and i was like okay what? like you know technically it's i mean it's just you replying to this message i assume you're not all typing a letter each but like <laughs> this is not a one-man operation um so yeah i think i think that's going to become more and more prevalent where um there's conglomerates uh moving into the space so i just kind of hope that it doesn't um doesn't dilute it too much because like you i like i like listening to and it's funny as well where i i've i've spoken to people who are like oh like especially after i had savannah on who are like oh, i don't know how you can fucking listen to him like jesus he's so so stupid like the the opinions he holds are so whatever and it's like okay yeah fine whatever like just skip that episode like you know just just exactly. if, you re if you really feel that way about it just you know no judgment for you feeling that way whatever like you can skip it or you can just not listen to it or whatever yeah or as is you know and there's a nice little circular narrative appearing here from the start of the episode but you might change your mind if you actually listen and he like not just hear what's being said, but actually listen to it where, yeah. okay, there's a lot of stuff Savan says where I'm like, Oh my fucking God, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but like at least once an episode of listening to him, I'll stop and be like, fuck, I never actually thought of that that way. Or I wonder how many other people think like that. Like maybe that, yeah. you know, explains why, that person said that that time or whatever you know like it's it's an interesting way of looking at things and if nothing else it's entertaining even if what he's saying yeah. is total cock rot it's yep. still entertaining no, but i mean i think savannah's batshit crazy he's always been absolutely fucking off the rock um but, 
I mean, I met him just when we opened up CrossFit Nordic. He came for CrossFit to to Sweden right before we had the the regionals, and then he uh, he was hanging out at the box and 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 I I don't know. I just we got we hit it off really really well. Now, do we agree on everything? God knows, no. Have we have we had our discussions about a bunch of things? Absolutely. Does he think I'm absolutely insane? Probably. Do I respect him though that for his his opinions? Absolutely. That doesn't mean we have to agree. And I think that's one of the things that I like about podcasts and about Savan particularly is he's okay with people not agreeing. Yeah. You know, and and, and I love that. It's like one of the one of the things that are that's gonna progress us as a community and as as individuals as well, is that we allow other people to have other opinions, we will discuss with them. And then we agree that, hey, we don't agree on this. Let's see who's right at the end of the day. That's and that's fine. So no, I yeah, I think you should listen to all of those as well. Even the ones that you don't agree with, just listen to them for crying out loud. I mean, what's the worst that can happen is that you walk away and you go, yeah, I still don't agree. Okay, we're good. But don't just don't just ignore it. I just I don't get it. Yeah, I think, you know, you kind of end up in an echo chamber and you just, it's comfortable there. It's comfortable to be like, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever, whether your opinion is valid or invalid or like, you know, sensical or nonsensical. If you're, if your opinion is that women shouldn't have a vote and you only ever talk to other people who think women shouldn't have a vote, like, yeah. you know, and there's parallels of that, of like, if you, if you thought something that you think is sensible, and I'm sure the people who think women shouldn't have a vote have in their head what appears to be a logical argument as to why yeah but if they never hear the other side of it then you know what i mean no. i'm sure the same is transfers for you know more rational thoughts yeah um, absolutely but know, i mean it, it becomes it becomes crossfit it, it becomes crossfit hq in its glory days when nobody dared say anything because you were you were kind of you're petrified that you were gonna you were gonna get in trouble because you you spoke your mind and, and you kind of ventilated your private opinions in the public space um so yeah so everybody just kind of shut up instead i don't think that was healthy yeah when did you notice that started happening um i think god i'm gonna be i'm gonna sound so boring and i realize that as i as i answer your questions but i think as soon as 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 crossfit became global as soon as reebok came on board and and, and more money kind of came in from from seminars and from everything else and it kind of grew and there was a narrative that was really important for CrossFit. I think that at that point, instead of just allowing things to happen and then just kind of kind of roll the way it had in the past, I think I think CrossFit was trying really hard to control the narrative. And I think people were managed by fear. So it was like, hey, don't talk about this. Don't say this. You can't say this. And if you do, then. And then people started within the community started started saying stuff like, you know, oh man, I, I said this and that. And so this and that happened to me. And it was like, so other people started shutting up as well. And I think that was unfortunate because I think one of the beautiful things about CrossFit to start with was, you know, if you read level one, it's like, hey, I have no ego is what everybody said at, at, at level one. It's like if you show up tomorrow with roller skates, a little a little skirt, listening to, to you know, whatever on a boombox cruising around the street, would you beat me at our tests? I'm going to start doing the same thing tomorrow. And that was kind of that was kind of like an open to hey show me what you got and, and and if it's better then I'll start using it. But after a while, that's not what happened. It took us a long time to, to acknowledge officially that people who were competing at the games weren't using CrossFit.com as their as their method their their medicine. Right? That took us a while, mm -hmm. even though everybody knew us. Like these these guys are doing two a days and they're almost pros. So, yeah. 
I think that is getting better, though. Got to say that. I think that has gotten a lot better over the last years. Yeah, well, I mean, apart from anything else, there's an opportunity for the ecosystem to grow and coaches to, you know, make a living and athletes to make a living and that kind of stuff, which is important as well. Because, like, you know, up until recently, there were kind of just gladiators that went in for our amusement or whatever. And now at least they can, you know, they're not really slaves anymore. They can, and I, I don't mean to demean uh, or to, you know, uh, belittle what slaver, slavery led to or what slaves went through. But like, <laughs> no. they were like, you know, they were essentially going into an arena to entertain us. And then yeah. I was like, all right, that's done. See you next year. Whereas now yeah. at least they can have this kind of steady flow of income and they can maybe grow into a, a professional or a professional sport or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mean as much for for athletes because I think they always already they always kind of spoke their minds. I was more within within CrossFit HQ. I think there was a period of time where people who worked for CrossFit HQ wouldn't speak their mind, and as a con- as a consequence, I think development within the, con- within the within the company was it didn't stop, but it was slowed down a lot. And I think that's changed a lot. So I think a lot of more a lot more voices are being heard within CrossFit HQ now. And I think as a consequence, I think the company is is evolving faster. Hmm. Um, well, look, I could talk to you all day. Um, you're a fascinating man. Um, we'll, fi- we'll finish with a quick fire. Yeah. Um, so barbell or dumbbell? Barbell. Uh, cardio or gymnastics? Cardio. A commentate or coach? Coach. Uh, box or competition? Box. Um, bike or run? Oh, bike. <laughs> uh, thrusters or burpees? Burpees. And Denmark or Sweden? Sweden. Wow. Oh, yeah. I really didn't expect that. That's interesting. You didn't? Um, no, I don't know. I don't know. I, just I, I traded in my Danish citizenship for a Swedish citizenship. Like figuratively or literally? Literally. Why did you have to trade it in? Can you not keep I did, both? I no? didn't. I could, I could have kept both, but I've got my wife here. I've got my son here. I'm not going anywhere. So I was just like, if I'm going to commit, I'm going to commit 100%. I want to be here. What's that? Burn the boats, isn't that? The... That's it. That's, That's exactly it. what it is. Um, well, listen, this was <laughs> uh, fascinating. Uh, you're a great guy to talk to. You've, you know, um, we've covered a lot there, I think. And I think you'll, you'll have, you'll surely have to come back on uh, another day for another conversation. Cause that was, there was just deep, <laughs> deep, rich veins of, of stuff there. There was a lot of, there's a lot of little tangents that I was like, no, don't just don't get caught into that one. Let's move back. Um, but listen, that, that was brilliant. Thanks very much. Uh, I really appreciate you coming back on and hopefully are you going to strength and depth? Yes. Yes. Oh. I am. I'll buy you a coffee at Strength of Death. I'll go for that. Dude, that would be awesome. That would be awesome.